0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio,
1: broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about some of the new things that may be coming in 2023 as we're finishing up this harvest season here over the next couple of months. I'm sure you're going to be thinking about next year, just like we are right now. We've been on our farm getting some silage cut, um, alfalfa's done for the year, beans are close on our farm. I'd say we'll be harvesting beans in a couple of weeks or at least getting started in a couple of weeks. So yeah it's it, it's not long and it's it's really important as soon as that crop gets off the field that you're, you, you the plans are in place so you're ready to go with whatever you are doing to prepare for next year. So just as an example on our farm instantly when stuff gets harvested we're out pulling soil samples. We're like for the silage anyway, we'll seed a cover crop. We want for corn or beans because that harvest will occur in October and there's, then the ground's going to freeze up. But I mean, we are out seeding a little cover crop today and just things like that. So you're, you're all ready to go. That's why we got to be thinking about stuff as much as possible in advance. And probably the biggest question I've gotten about 2023 is what's happening with the ag chem supply and should I buy stuff now or should I wait? I will tell you my opinion, I don't know, because no one knows is there going to be some other catastrophic worldwide event or or event in our country that causes major supply chain issues or causes prices to rise dramatically or something else. But at the moment, supplies on AgCAM look great for next year prices are probably going to be relatively flat, maybe up just a little bit. Other than things like Roundup, Roundup's already down a long ways. I think personally it's coming down a little bit more. Again, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm happy at least right now. If I look at grand total, if I was to buy everything today versus what I had to spend last year, I'm probably going to spend similar money on AgCAM, and maybe a little bit less just because we buy a fair amount of Roundup. I also think Liberty's going to come down in price at some point. Might not happen until next summer, but eventually that supply thing is going to get corrected on glufosinate worldwide too. Supplies on seed, fertilizer, the fertilizer thing certainly looks better than it did last year at this point. So... I mean, there are a lot of things that are encouraging as we start planning for 2023. But again, we'll talk about some new things that are coming in 2023 as we go throughout the show today. If you'd like to give us a call, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Right now, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren.
0: All right. First question comes in from Gabriel. He said, Hey guys, we have started corn harvest here and we're, we're getting into it pretty good down in Southeast Missouri. Got a friend that had some green snap back in mid June when the corn was just about to tassel and he seems to have it worse than most others around him. Just wondering what nutrient might he be lacking? And if he had any ideas of why one person might've had it worse than others.
1: Yes, we have lots of ideas on that. Most likely, he planted pretty thick, and he didn't have a lot of potassium. So those are the two most likely causes. There are, oh, oh, by the way, I'd just say our general rule for corn planting population is 7 to 10 times the number of 1,000 plants that you plant. So what I'm saying is, just as an example, 30,000 plants per acre, you're your corn yield range should be 210 to 300. Well, we see a lot of people really pushing planting population, and they're not even getting 300 bushel corn. You're going, whoa, wait a second. What are you running for plants per acre? So I just say you can thin that out, number one. But if you don't want to thin it out, at least make sure your, your potassium level is really, really good. You want your base saturation potassium level at least 4%. And if it's lighter soil, so that doesn't amount to lots of pounds per acre, you, you may have to be supplementing that even more, uh, maybe in season, uh, if you got light ground and irrigation or something. But yeah, I'd just say those are the most likely causes. Copper and manganese can also contribute a little bit. So can poor drainage or compaction where you might not have the roots that will help hold the stuff in place. So there are a number of things. That that it could be, but yeah, most likely it's too much population and not enough potassium. Here's the
0: other thing is the timing. Every corn hybrid is susceptible to green snap. It's just the window that they're susceptible is a little bit different. So he made that... that particular farmer may have had a different maturity than other guys around him, or he may have seeded a little bit earlier, or his corn was just a little different growth stage than others. Sometimes we'll see uh, guys that, that plant late having more issues with green snap than the guys that planted early. Uh, it, it just depends on the year and when that weather event comes. But, yeah,
1: but it's still, it just comes back to planting population and potassium in almost all cases so where Darren's going with this is a lot of people will blame the late planting or they'll blame one hybrid over the other or something like that. That's usually not what we see. It's something entirely different.
0: Okay. Uh, Next one comes from Scott and he said, guys, I'm interested in adding a dry seed nutritional for seed flowability and early plant nutrition. Uh, It would have talc in it, but also have, Uh, some molybdenum and a few other nutrients, just a small amount of some other things in there too, like zinc and manganese and iron and so forth. But, uh, but molybdenum is the big driver in that. Do you guys have any experience with that? Do you think it would hurt my biologicals that I put on my seed? Also, uh, what would be your concerns? I'm not super worried about the
1: biologicals. It's a possibility. Anytime you're putting
0: on nutrients, like this one has zinc, and different forms of zinc can be very, very dangerous. Now, there's zinc sulfate in there, which is one of the safer zincs. Right. But there's also some zinc oxide, which can be a problem. Yes. Manganese chloride is in there. That would be a concern for me, too, that... Yes, so yes, it
1: could be, it could hurt the biologicals, but what I'm much more concerned about is is it going to hurt your seed germination? And when you start talking about something dry, well, that could pull moisture away from the seed. And then how much is going to get on each seed, that can vary a lot because that dry can move around. I, I I'm I'm concerned. You definitely, can do it, but keep that start rate a, really Definitely Start on a
0: small scale right. first to make sure it works for you. We've we've seen these things in trials sometimes go the other way too. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. We'll be right back after this.
2: It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in, and Corteva Agriscience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's ZealPro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions.
0: Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the AgPHD Insider magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the AgPHD Insider at agphdinsider.com.
2: This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68
3: degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight.
4: Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact Emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground.
0: back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio today on one of the fun shows. We we do a lot of shows that, ah, this is important, we got to talk about this topic, and this is one that I would say is more fun for me when we talk about what's new for 2023, because... I'm always interested in new products, new things that can I don't help know, us Darren, out,
1: get even better. I, I think it's great. I think every topic is fun. So I, I, I know <laughs> well, some really, people might be Really? You talk about boring. white mold, Brian. you yes, think that's, I think gonna that's gonna be a fun, topic? fun.
0: No, I think I'll that's tell, necessary and, and, but, education. No, but, I think, but hey, here's let's the talk thing. about some new control systems or let's talk about a new fungicide. I mean, these things are exciting for me.
1: Look, what's most fun to me on the farm is making money and making our ground better, making our conditions better as we move forward. So uh, there's rarely a topic here where I don't think it's super fun because you bring up white mold. We've literally had ground where we're harvesting 90 bushel beans and we go to zero. 90 bushel loss from the white mold. It's fun to learn how do we fix that problem and make a bunch more money because, I I mean, farming is, is nice. Don't get me wrong. But it's a lot more fun when we actually make some money on the farm. So anyway, these are the reasons we talk about all the topics, not just what Darren thinks is fun. Anyway, go ahead, Darren.
0: All right. Uh, let's get into some new things here for 2023. we got Andy McNair on with us right now with Pentair. And Andy, I know the cat's a little bit out of the bag here because we talked about these things at the Ag PhD Field Day, uh, but uh, you're always working on new things when it comes to helping us spray better, more efficiently, uh, getting things on target and and on time. Those things make make every product that we use better. So uh, talk to us a little bit about ProStop Single. Pro stop e Dual, and, and some of the other cool things that you're working on at Pentair?
5: Yeah, so like you said, you're always trying to, to, to make a little bit more money and to, to make your operation more efficient, and so uh, this year we launched two new products um, for individual nozzle control, our ProStop-E Single and Pro Stop e Dual Nozzle Bodies. Um, and so those would allow uh, any grower with an ISOBUS compliant machine uh, to implement an individual nozzle control on their sprayer or on their
0: tractor. You know, when you think about individual nozzle controls, I, I just think about all the fields that I've been to over the years. Handy where uh, they aren't exactly square. And I, I when I first started uh, getting really interested in the farm when I was a kid, that was one of the things that was always puzzling to me. Is man, how come these fields aren't square? And what do we do? Because we're never going to be perfect in in those those. Odd angles and and different things that we come across. So, uh, how big a deal is this going to be? Is this more about not having the over application, or or what? What are the big gains here?
5: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when you get into those those point rows or those uh, fields that are not not very square and uniform, uh, you're really going to minimize your overlap. So, you're you're not going to be turning off giant sections of of nozzle bodies at a time. You're going to turn off each individual valve as you come up to that boundary or come up to that uh, that area that you've already applied. So you're not uh, you know, over-applying and wasting chemical, but you're also, um, you know, improving your yield by not uh, not spraying an area that you've already been to. You
0: know, when you look at the Pro-Step-E single versus the ProStep e dual, uh, we do see a lot of folks looking at different uh, different types of nozzles out there. So talk to us a little bit about where you might use each one of these.
5: Yeah, so ProStop is single, um, that's kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's an individual nozzle body, uh, and on the side of that nozzle body is essentially just a quarter-turn ball valve. Uh, very simple product. It's very robust, uh, and it's also capable of, of high flow rates. So if you're applying liquid fertilizer, it'd be a, a great product where you can still achieve, you know, up to two gallons a minute per valve. Um, and then once again, that Uh, would be able to actuate individually uh, as you come up to your overlaps or somewhere you've already sprayed. Uh, The ProStop-E Dual uh, is basically the the same thing, but uh, two valves in each nozzle body so that you can spray out of nozzle A, nozzle B, or both nozzle A and B at the same time. Uh, So that gives you some variation uh, with how fast you can drive. You'd essentially put uh, a pair of nozzles on the turret, with a smaller nozzle in front and a bigger nozzle in back. And as you speed up or slow down, the system would automatically switch from that smaller nozzle to the bigger nozzle. So you maintain a a uniform droplet size uh, and you don't have to worry about your pressure building and, and getting a lot of fine droplets out of your nozzles.
0: Well, precision with everything we're doing around spray applications is huge. It saves money on product. It puts those dollars exactly where you need in the field and certainly takes away any kind of injury you may see if you had over-application or carryover issues. or But it's just any any number of, of things that this solves. It's it's definitely a game-changer. There's no doubt about it. And it's one of those things Pentair is bringing to the market. Uh, Andy McNair, thank you so much. really appreciate having you on. Look forward to having you back again. All right. Thank you. Got Jim Lappin out with us right now with AMVAC. And, and Jim, obviously a lot of lot of different things that AMVAC is working on now, too, with the SimPass system and, and other innovations. Uh, what are some of the cool things to, to look forward to here in 2023?
6: Well, we continue to build our portfolio. So we continue to hear from growers about unique opportunities and what they're trying to overcome with yield limiters in their field. So we keep looking to expand our portfolio beyond our traditional insecticides. We've added uh, a fungicide product, looking at a couple additional fungicide products. We're screening several bio nematicides. Uh, We have counter in corn for nematodes, but we hear a lot about soybean cysts, and so we've been screening several nematode products just for that specific pest. Uh, continue to have more biologicals that we're discussing and coming into the fold as well and uh, one one big change from last year is we have a couple of liquid products that we'll be offering in 2023 so in addition to the the granules we came to the market with last year we'll add a couple liquids so again continue to expand continue to give the grower options you know, you mentioned, uh, boy,
0: we could talk all day on, on this. Uh, okay, you mentioned the the nematode products, and that's certainly a big discussion. But uh, I think when you talk about counter, and you mentioned, hey, that that also helps with nematodes in corn. It's also a really important insecticide, and and whether it's counter or, boy, uh, I know Amvac's got a bunch of different traditional insecticides. We saw corn ropeworm pressure being extremely high this year. Now that doesn't mean anything for next year. Maybe the winter we'll wipe them all out but odds are we're probably going to see some corn rootworms next year Uh, and that insecticide application has been such a big deal to help.
6: Well if the traps are any indication in soybean fields uh, we're catching a lot of both western and northern corn rootworms so the expectation at this stage like you said a lot of environmental factors between now and planting but it, it appears that the traits aren't performing any better and then and that the pressure is still there.
0: Yeah, it sure is. I, I know at the Ag PhD field, that was one of the topics that we had. And, and also the SimPass system. There have been, been a lot of folks talking about that since uh, this summer's uh, get-together. And just looking at the precision application of multiple inputs. So uh, you, if you're listening and you're saying, well, man, you talked about fungicides. You talked about bio-nematicides and nematodes and uh insecticides and different products that can be used but to be able to do that with precision and to program that in uh that that has been a game changer how are you coming on the Simpas system and for farmers that are interested where can
6: they find more details so they can always go to simpass.com we continue to uh try to get ahead of of all the supply challenges that everybody sees and hears about in the market so we've been buying components aggressively here this summer uh whether a grower is thinking about a Sympath system or a SmartBox system or a Dosatron system or any other systems that are available in the market, now's a great time to be having those conversations with their equipment suppliers to make sure that the systems are available, uh, that they can get them in time for a timely uh, installation prior to planting. So we've been spending a lot of time in the last several weeks talking to growers throughout the country about uh, working with their Trimble dealers, getting quotes on those systems, Uh, they can go to simpass.com to get more information or talk to their select Trimble dealer and uh, get a specific quote on the equipment itself.
0: Great stuff. Jim Lappin with AMBAC. Thank you so much, Jim. Really appreciate it. Thank you and have a great day. You as well. We're talking about what is new for 2023. That's always fun and exciting. If you have questions, though, we'll also take those. Uh, Our phone lines are open at 844- 44 Ag PhD. We'll be right back.
6: in a world of Veltima fungicide.
1: Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide.
6: Okay, Veltima fungicide.
1: No, that's literally the same.
6: Veltima fungicide.
1: Still doing it.
6: Veltima fungicide does it.
1: Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide, swift, simple, and secure.
6: Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer.
1: Always read and follow label directions.
4: What if your herbicide was easy to mix and tough for weeds to resist? Anthem Flex Herbicide from FMC offers the most effective mode of action for spring and winter wheat, delivering long-lasting control of grasses and broadleaf weeds, including Italian ryegrass, rat fescue, and downy brome, plus weeds typically resistant to glyphosate and Group 1 and Group 2 herbicides. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions.
0: What's new for 2023? That's the question Brian and I get pretty much as soon as 2022 is in the books. Uh, everybody's saying, All right, what's new for 2023? What's coming out? So that's the focus of today's program here on AgPHD Radio. Broadcasting for the Morton Studio, and our phone lines are open throughout the show today at 844. 844- Forty-four Ag PhD. If you have an agronomic question or want to talk about some of the cool new stuff that you're doing on your farm, uh, we're wide open for those things. You can also email us radio at agphd.com. I think we're going to talk about weed control here because our next guest is Tom Wood with Belsham. Tom, how are you doing today?
7: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
0: Well, Okay, I'm going to I'm going to say this. This is going to be tough. Your job is going to be tougher next year, Tom, because there are areas here in the western corn belt that were too dry and I saw soybean rows not closing and that means pigweed shot through, kochia shot through, lamb's quarter shot through, uh, a bunch of tough broadleaf weeds. And now they're going to be popping up in our cornfields next year. And let's face it, some of these cornfields weren't perfect this year either. I think the weed pressure next year is going to be intense. So h- help us out here, Tom. What, what are you seeing this year and what, what's given you promise for 2023?
7: Well, we hope to see those types of things, too. Not that we want to wish that on any grower, but we have the product to, to help control those weeds, and um, we appreciate the support that we get from you guys. But what's new for tough for 2023? We got a last-minute label extension on lentils, which more Pacific Northwest, but we got a little bit out there. Worked very good, 16 to 24 ounces an acre, does a nice job, particularly if there's not many other herbicides left. But the other ones that I think would be important for the Midwest is we have our popcorn label. And even more important for us is that while the EPA wasn't overly concerned about explicitly putting seed corn on our label, it is now there in black and white. So our customers can be happy that seed corn's on the label. Beyond that, and probably more importantly, is Pioneer tested TOF on their seeds in 2022 with no issues. So we're very happy about that. So the corn seed people can be, um, well, they can be assured that they can use TOF on seed corn also. So we're very happy about that and we hope we see more tough on on those crops too.
0: Well, being safe on the crop is is a big deal, but being really, really harsh on those weeds is kind of nice. Uh, talk to us about tough and what you saw this year. What what helped make it work the best? We we saw some products. If the weather wasn't just perfect, uh, they weren't working great, and and we saw other guys that uh, were trying some different tank mixes. Uh, talk to us about what you saw this year.
5: This year, um,
7: particularly in Nebraska, Kansas area we saw a lot go down on kosha Um, it was working very good with um, impact and it was working very good with uh, mesos where people were using generic mesos Um, very few complaints where we got complaints was when the weeds were more than eight inches and uh, it stunted them but didn't kill them but overall um, people were using those two mixtures and it worked very well um so i'm not sure i don't know if that answers the question well i think but you we know one of the good control
0: one of the things i was saying coaching. tom i i saw this yeah. too the guys that were using more gallons of water with more pressure had really good luck. That that was yeah. one that that really responded because you're right. There were there were some of these fields that weather conditions didn't didn't allow the guys to get out or they didn't catch it quick enough that there were some escapes and all of a sudden we had we had weeds that were all tillered out or, or had tons of growing points on them. Uh, we still saw good performance where we had excellent coverage. That that seemed to be the game changer in my mind this year.
7: Yeah, and we always promote that. We say, you know, make sure that you're following our our label and get good coverage. You know what else we saw was uh, those that were dealing with volatility control, that Canva product status. They were using Tuff with status, and they were able to um, get, one, better control and, two, reduce their volatility issues. So that was a nice learning for us. We had been testing it in some of the universities, and we'll see good data coming out of Kansas State for that. But we saw some good things go out with uh, with status this year.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it's fun to have more flexibility. That's been one of the nice things with Tough, getting a different mode of action out there that's really impactful on these Roundup-resistant broadleaf weeds. Hey, Tom, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you and We'll have to have you back sometime soon to uh, announce that Tougher is maybe going to come to the market even faster than you think.
7: Yeah, I can give you a, a quick update offline if you wish, but um, <laughs> yeah, we're pushing hard on tougher, maybe sooner than we think. Outstanding. Well,
0: thanks, Tom. We really appreciate it.
7: All right. Thank you very much.
0: We've got Mitchell with us right now. He's over in southeast Minnesota with a question. Mitchell, how you doing?
8: Doing well. How are you doing today, Darren?
0: You know, not too bad over here. Are uh, you thinking fungicide here on soybeans? What's your question?
8: Yeah, so we've been using a fungicide at R1 or at R3 for a white mold control. But I'm curious for uh, applying a fungicide later in the season. I, I'm pretty excited that uh, some of the soy, what the soybeans are looking uh, like this year, and wondering what you've seen from late season fungicide applications in the uh, R4 to R5 range. If you've seen some benefit from uh, reducing plant stress, and if you've tried that out on uh, your farm or the growers you've talked with.
1: Yes, yep, we definitely have. I I would just say it's not always going to pay. But when you start talking about white mold and certain diseases that could show up late in the season and can be really harmful, then it, it is certainly possible. When we first started experimenting with this, it was probably, I don't know, six, seven years ago, something like that, where we were doing a bunch of trial work with some high yield farmers on our own ground. And the the highest yielding plots that year had treatments at R5. So, I I, I mean, I'm not going to say we're always going to recommend that or anything else. And this year, like in our area, for example, uh, we've barely had any rain for a month and a half. So... I'm not nearly as worried now as I would be normally. And, I mean, we're getting real late now. I mean, our beans are all turned and everything, so, I mean, it's too late for us. But, yeah, in that R4, R5 timing, if things still look pretty good, your beans look pretty lush, you think there's potential there for disease, then I I would sure at least be trying some.
8: Yep, that's why I was thinking we've had prolonged periods of leaf wetness, and yes. we've been getting, we had a stretch here of two, week, two weeks where we were fairly dry, but we've had half an inch to an inch of rain almost every week, yeah. and uh, thinking about giving that a try, we gave saltrow a try this year, and it's uh-huh. really showing the difference in the sudden death performance yeah. across awesome. the field, and uh, really excited about that as well, so. Yep.
1: Yeah, I hey, just wish I would, we could predict those things I would say this
0: Mitchell on that Saltro and uh, and we've seen good results out of a Levo too on, on SDS but mm-hmm. I would say this those products are not cheap and so a lot of farmers that probably should use them are nervous about that because oh man I don't want to spend that much money but you look at what gain you're going to see this year if you had some SDS I, I, I think it's going to pay for the Saltro that you're going to buy for the next 5 to 10 years just with one good year would you say that's fair or do you think I'm a a little too optimistic
8: yeah i think that's fair i mean it's night and day difference we've we've been hit pretty hard by sun death in uh southeastern minnesota I've, I've seen a lot of it on the end rows in compacted areas but this year i'm seeing it a lot in fields across the whole the entire stretch of the field and uh this year the, the salt trail really seemed to do a good job of holding it off i still am seeing some sudden death on the very edges and and a few hot spots here and there, but uh, I think it's going to pay for itself big time.
1: Yeah, uh, I was just going to say with these post-emerge fungicides, they many of them have a 21-day pre-harvest interval, so that's about the only thing you really have to watch for. So you can spray fairly late in the season if you want to, going back to that foliar thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess hopefully things turn out good for you, and uh, thanks a lot for calling in today. Appreciate it.
8: Yeah. Thank you. You bet.
0: We're talking about new things. What's new for 2023? We're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back.
3: When I step on someone's farm... I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH.
0: Case IH, built by farmers.
3: If we only had 20 words to talk about AgBiome, we would say, we are agricultural innovators focused on unlocking the power of the microbial world to deliver unique, effective crop protection solutions. If we only had five words, we'd say, learn more at agbiome.com.
4: Get maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Plus, with 10% off while supplies last, you can fully upgrade your planter for less. Just go to FarmShopMFG.com.
0: so excited about some of the new technology coming out for 2023 and the pipeline of what's going to be coming over the next few years is is pretty cool too it's going to be really fun it's going to be even more fun farming going forward got ryan peeper with us right now with topcon all right ryan i know you guys are always working on things and and taking things to to uh, uh that next step up what do we get to look forward to here coming up in 2023
9: yeah, I tell you, we're really excited, looking forward. Um, you know, a lot of our technology out there today may be on a on a grower's farm, and he might not even know it. Uh, so much of our stuff goes into our, our OEM customers, and I'd say looking forward to 23, you know, we're really excited to cross the farm gate with some more aftermarket-type uh, solutions. So uh, a couple examples, you know, we had out on display at your field day this summer uh, with our smart cart system, uh, looking to... You know kind of bring that high definition yield layer and go ahead and take a look at those grain weights coming off the combine um as we kind of say at topcon at the end of the day the the grain cart doesn't lie uh with that weight in the in the tank and we believe that there's value for growers to not only see that weight but see the moisture of the um of the crop coming in through the machine and onto the auger cart
0: Absolutely. yeah. You, you, well, we're, we're harvesting right now some silage and we just want to see the data as quick as we can so we can try and figure out, oh, okay, if something was great out in the field, we want to know why because we want to do more of that. And, and conversely, if it's not so great, we also want to know why because uh, if we don't figure it out as we're going pretty soon, there's no signs of anything left out in the field. So I, I love it. I think that's fantastic.
9: Yeah, absolutely. I think we the, the smart card continues to be a focus with our installed base of of Digistar load cells that are out there in the field and under a lot of those load, under a lot of those auger carts today. So, you know, we'll take a look at those data layers as well as, you know, what do we do with those data layers through our our Tap uh, Topcon Agriculture platform, our digital platform that's going to allow uh, growers to come in and and make decisions, uh, make that next profitable decision, whether it be on their own or with their you know, with their trusted advisor involved, we, you know, continue to see these data layers bringing more and more value to the grower. So,
0: you know, as input prices go up, Ryan, this is going to be super big. And when we talk about layering up data, I've talked to so many farmers this year that are talking about seeding populations and, and for the most part, guys saying, you know what, I'm going to be using a little lower population because of what I'm seeing out there. Uh, also, I know we talk a lot about fertility data and being able to layer those things up and make, uh, better decisions going forward with stuff that each farmer will have in his own hands, uh, not having to rely on somebody else to do it. That's fantastic.
9: Yeah, you know, we totally agree, Darren. And I think you know the first step in that is is efficiently getting that data out of the cab, out of the console, you know, into the office. So one thing we worked on uh, to your question that you'll see here. In uh, 23, we do have a few on the shelf at the moment, but we worked on something called our CL20 modem. And what that's going to do is actually you know, wirelessly move that data uh, from the cab to the office. And it doesn't matter uh, the brand of of monitor, whether it's, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a TopCon monitor. It could be, could be one of our competitors' monitors. And that basically plugs in and it acts like a USB stick and uh, with a cell phone subscription in it can sure. Um, just move that data seamlessly to the cloud so you can go make that next decision.
0: Well, Ryan, you know, a lot of people will ask, okay, I, I don't know if I'm using any TopCon products and we we say the same thing. Uh, really? You probably are and you don't realize it. That's one of the benefits of working with all these different brands. You you guys already understand all that. So uh, you, you can just work seamlessly uh, between them.
9: Yeah, we do. You know, we, we have, I would say, more of a presence globally. Um, continents like Australia and, and Europe uh, certainly down in, in South America. So we're working really hard here. In fact, that's my role at TopCon is to you know, work with some distributors and key partners to um, leverage some of that technology and some of those cool things we have going on and, and bring some value to the to the growers here in the states. So you'll see uh, more of the TopCon brand start to grow. And some of those solutions start to come up the farm gate here coming up in 23 for sure.
0: Outstanding. Uh, We're talking with Ryan Peeper here with TopCon. Ryan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Look forward to talking to you again down the road. You bet.
9: Thanks, guys. We've
0: got Dave Sender on next. He's with Environmental Tillage Systems, the Soil Warrior guys. Dave, how are you doing?
10: Good. How are you guys doing today?
0: Well, you know what? We're getting ready to start strip tilling. It's it's just right around the corner here on our farm. We're getting silage off. We're we're getting cover crop seeded out there, and you know we've got a lot of different things coming up here. So, uh, what I guess what are you talking about here? What's new for twenty twenty three?
10: So yeah, well, first of all, I'll say that uh, Ryan with TopCon there catching the uh, kind of the tail end of that conversation that information sharing is huge. You know, we work with a lot of growers and that's that's a frustration a lot of a lot of growers have, having the ability to extract that data. In some cases, some operations are running, um, you know, multiple uh, systems, if you will. And uh, that's that's a frustration. So, you know, the more we can streamline that information and get that data, as you said, out of the tractor cab is, is huge. Um, so so that was interesting. I, I, I learned something today. Um, so that's good. But as far as things with Soil Warrior, um, number of things that uh, we have coming up in 23. Some things we've started to implement. In fact, technically, our, our model year started here. Uh, our new model year started in, a, in a, uh, Excuse me, August here. Um, but um, I guess first of all, I'd mention our, our new uh, meter wheel design. Um, we we've modified our meter uh, boxes here a little bit. Um, And and improved our our meter wheel design that allows us to more easily uh, change out sizes of our metering system, if you will, where if a grower is jumping from, say, cover crops to fertilizer and back and so forth, um, rather than our our old way of doing it, they would have had to have disassembled and reassembled the entire meter body, uh, whereas now it's, it's as simple as just swapping out some plates. Um, so that's going to be a big, big time saver, and, and uh, um, you know, the system itself is extremely accurate when it comes to, you know, what it's putting down for for product. Um, the next part that ties in with that is actually our cover crop system. So you're talking about putting out some cover crops in some of your silage fields. Um, our cover crop system, we continue to um, kind of improve upon that that design and system, and give guys a lot of flexibility with their ability with the ability to put cover crops down um, kind of the way they want to, whether it's between rows and and on rows. Um, So, again, a lot of flexibility and and improvements with how that pole system is designed and, and how it works on the toolbars.
0: You know there there are a lot of different jobs that that farmers are trying to. This is one of the things, Dave. That's been neat to, to get to know lots of farmers all over. That I think about strip till for us. We're using it primarily to, to do that uh, preparation for our seed bed and also to put fertility down. But you mentioned the cover crops and and other jobs that that farmers are doing with strip till machines. Now is that sector sect- is that sector of the market just growing rapidly or, or are you seeing more growth in the fertilizer application and, and seedbed preparation market
10: you, you bet yeah so it, it has been a lot of growth in the cover crop side of things um, specifically this past even just since the beginning of the this year here it's been quite interesting to see needless to say that you know the fertilizer application is still a, a, a major part of, of you know, the main part of, of what we do, especially with the, the ability to do variable rating and so forth. But the the cover crop uh, ability and, and having that flexibility has gotten tremendously more popular, um, like I said, just since the beginning of the year. I mean, there's been several existing customers now that are looking to add those systems to their machines. So it's definitely very very noteworthy on how much it's growing so it's gonna be very interesting to see how that continues to to trend here
0: yeah it's so it's so versatile there's so many things that can be done we're, we're talking with Dave Sender here with environmental tillage systems uh, and we're talking about strip till and it won't be the last time I know we get so many questions around strip tillage uh, Dave we're gonna definitely have to have you back uh, as the fall continues here and talk a little more about some of the different jobs you guys bet. are doing you bet Alright, well thanks for being on. We really appreciate it. We're, we're talking about what's new here in 2023 and as I've mentioned before, our phone lines are open. If you have a, a question or you want to talk about something happening on your farm, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. If you'd like to send an email uh, instead or in addition to your phone call, that's great too. Radio at agphd.com. We're going to dive into the Ag PhD mailbag coming up right after this.
4: Early does it. Strong early season defenses against seedling insects and soil diseases are key to a successful season. The leader in InFurrow Solutions, FMC, helps protect your fields from the start with a growing portfolio of InFurrow innovations. You can't predict the future, but you can plant for it. Visit your FMC retailer or infurrow.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com.
6: The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter-turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, insulation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro.
3: What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide. The latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools gives you another carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall.
0: Every week for more than two decades, AgPHD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD-TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more.
2: When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valant USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions.
0: listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time here in the Morton studio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, if you have an agronomic question, I got this one that, that we talked about a little bit on Friday, but we didn't get back to it, Brian, so we wanted to address it here today. Uh, this one came from uh, PDN in, in Idaho, I believe. Uh, and he yes. said... Uh, guys, I'm trying to grow the best seed quality, and I want to yep. have good cold germ scores in my seed, and I'm looking at uh, irrigation and fertility
1: solutions here. Okay, uh, yeah, and this is one you had asked last week, and I said I got to look at, look at. I think he asked it on Friday, and then we didn't get a chance to get back to it while I was looking at it during the show. Uh, okay, so... The, the challenge here is I just don't have good information off the soil test. I don't have base saturation numbers, and I don't have parts per million on magnesium, calcium, or sodium, so I can't figure out the base saturation numbers. Uh, also, the manganese is a DTPA test, so I don't trust that. Um, I really like a Malik 3 and the manganese test because basically if you have high pH, which he does, according to this, almost all his pHs are mid-7s, the manganese level is going to show exceptionally low, which it does. But I don't know, is there a lot of manganese in the soil or is there not? It doesn't show up on a DTPA test when your pH is high. Uh, Phosphorus ranges 18 to 81 so i mean at least with that information in hand i can tell you hey when you got 18 for parts per million on a phosphorus test that's pretty low so at least that much i would be trying to get better and sulfur i we do have tests on sulfur it's at 11 parts per million all the way up to 157 so if it's 11 that's a problem If it's 157, that's telling me that either there's been a lot of manure applied there or there's a drainage problem. So I don't know what's going on exactly in the area where it's 157 parts per million on sulfur, but I'd be curious to know more on that spot. And then the potassium parts per million is 88 to 455. Now, the reason why I said just a minute ago, like with the sulfur, it could be manure is where he's got... Sulfur of 157, he has potassium of 455, that's where his phosphorus is 81, his zinc is 13, so something's been done to that ground there. More application of fertilizer, and I'm assuming it's manure. So in those spots, I mean, a lot of the fertility looks pretty good, at least what I know, Um, you know, the things that I'm missing, obviously I can't comment on. But anyway, I just say, I want a complete soil test. And then I'd also really like to see a malic 3 test on manganese and, and some of these micronutrients to see really where we're at. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it's not bad in some areas, and then other areas really, really low. Uh, we had another one on Friday we were talking about just a little bit, and it was it had to do with allelopathy. And Darren had brought up fescue. So we talked about triticale a little bit and then fescue. A lot of these plants that you put in the ground, they have allelopathic effect in the soil. And what that means is they will release a chemical into the soil that will kill other plants. Now it won't necessarily kill all the other species of plants, but it will kill or at least suppress other plants. So this is part of why some people have really good success with cover crops because it helps keep weeds down. It's not just that they have cover out there and crop canopy, it's also they get some of this allelopathic effect. Well, if the, the fescue or triticale or whatever it is hasn't fully broken down yet, there's still probably a little bit of that allelopathy there. So a lot of times the allelopathy starts to dissipate in just a few weeks, especially if you do tillage or if you've somehow gotten that residue to break down really quick or you bailed it all off or whatever. I'm just saying Um, it doesn't take real long, but it does take a little bit of time. So if you're going from one crop right into the next crop, sometimes we can end up with some of that allelopathy actually hurting the next crop that you just planted. So this, like I said the other day, is part of the reason why we like having that, that, eliminating the green bridge as much as possible, having nothing growing out in the field, having it black for a couple of weeks prior to planting the next crop. So we often talk about Oh, it's helpful for weeds, for insects, for diseases. It's also helpful to get rid of those allelopathic chemicals, and by chemicals I mean natural stuff the plant put out into the soil.
0: Okay, uh, had had an interesting one. This this these soil tests here, Brian, come from Brazil, and this is from JP and. Uh, JP said, Guys, we get about 48 inches of rain every year, and with that, we're double cropping soybeans and corn. Uh, what would you recommend to increase phosphorus levels in this soil? It's dry land farm. Uh, there are some guys that do it all for the soybeans, others that will put half on for the soybeans and then put another half on for the corn. We were thinking about 450 pounds per acre of a 020 0 and 250 okay. pounds per acre of 1152-O. Uh, as you can see, our soil test levels are quite <laughs> low on phosphorus. Yeah, like 5 or But we also are ten. fighting low pH soils, making our base saturation of calcium really low as well. Uh, is phosphorus the first thing you'd deal with? And if so, uh, how would you do that? Obviously, we need some to raise each of these crops.
1: Yes. Uh, so you, at that low a level of phosphorus... We talk all the time here on the show about trying to make money on the farm besides just, you know, farming for fun. Well, even though fertilizer prices are hot, you've got to have phosphorus or you're just not going to raise much for a crop. So, however, you can get it out there is great. I don't care necessarily what you use, how you do it. You've just got to raise that level somehow, some way. Now, as far as this base saturation calcium thing, uh, I, your tests aren't run like our tests are here. So I don't know exactly um, what that looks like in terms of the percentage or anything. I don't know if I can even run numbers because I don't think I have all the information to run a true base saturation test, just even calculating it out. But if you've got low pH, then we need to get that raised up somehow, some way. Low pH doesn't hurt soybeans as bad as I once thought it did. We've run all kinds of tests on our own farm, uh, we compare soil tests to yield in every spot that we do a soil test on on the farm. So we're talking about at least a couple thousand spots for four years in a row. So I've, if I've got 8,000 points of data, I'm starting to get some really good information. And once we get that pH up even near 6 it doesn't make a lot of difference. So I'm not saying you have to get to 6.5 or anything like that with your soybean crop, but I am saying when you're down at a 4.1, yeah, you better do something there. That's not good. With corn, it seems to hurt even worse, at least it has on our farm, where if we're in the fives on corn, there's absolutely a, a negative yield impact, and it's a fairly big penalty. So... I'd do whatever you can to get lime on that ground over time, raise that pH, and then work on getting the phosphorus up. And I mean, certainly there are other things that need to be addressed too. Your potassium's really low. I don't have micronutrient tests. At least I don't think I have any micronutrient tests here. So I'd like more. Oh, I got, I got, a, I got just done, two.
0: Just done a couple. Two. Samples. Yeah. I
1: guess I got, I have two. Yeah, and maybe but,
0: you're just checking that out, JP. That you're seeing if that's yeah. worth it. It is. We, we really do like to see that, and it gives us a good idea of where we're
1: at. But I'm assuming this is relatively light soil. I don't know. Um, I don't see cations change capacity here. But anyway, in relatively light soil, you're almost always going to be short on boron. But, I mean, your copper levels are really low. Your boron level or your zinc levels are really low. So, I, I mean, I'd be addressing some of the micronutrients as well.
0: All right. Thanks for the questions. We really appreciate that, JP. I uh, get this one from IHC who says, guys, uh, you were talking about common mallow as one of your weed of the week uh, problems. And uh, you mentioned glyphosate. Unfortunately, I'm not having good luck with glyphosate at all, nor am I having good luck with dicamba at eight ounces in addition to a full rate of glyphosate. However, 2,4-D ester is seems to work pretty well if I get out there when it's small. Just wondering if, uh, if that is changing, if we, if we suspect there's some resistance or tolerance building with common mallow.
1: Well, is it possible that there's resistance or tolerance building? Yes. Uh, usually what we see with many of these weeds is too much water and not enough product. So if you bump the rate on the herbicide and you lower the rate on the water so you have a more concentrated droplet, it usually works a little bit better.
0: Yeah, concentrated droplets are one of those keys here and I, and I know you think, wait a minute, what difference does it make as long as I'm putting on the same rate per acre? It does make a difference because you can only stick so many droplets on those leaves and getting them, get them to hold on. With common mallet, it's not the sturdiest stem either. So it, it's a little floppy. And even as you just drive through with your sprayer, um, it, those leaves are flying all over. I can only imagine it's tough to get droplets to stay on those leaves. So uh, thanks for the feedback. We do appreciate that uh, and maybe give more concentrated droplets a shot. Thanks for listening to our show today. Please join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.